For Family Talk, here's Dr. James Dobson. Someone said, if you connect a boy to the right man, he seldom goes wrong, and I believe that to be true. If a dad and a son or a daughter can develop some common interests together, the rebellious years really shouldn't be all that troubling. I had that kind of relationship with my own father, and the full force of his contribution hit me a few years ago when suddenly he lay dying of a major heart attack. As I stood by his bedside, I thought back to the very happiest moments of my childhood, how my dad and I would get up very early on a wintry morning and head about 20 miles outside of town to our favorite place. We'd park the car, we'd climb over a fence and follow a little creek bed back to an area that I called Big Woods. He'd get me situated under a fallen tree that made a little secret room. And then we'd wait for the sun to come up, listening to the squirrels and the birds and the chipmunks. And the entire panorama of nature unfolded before us. Those moments together with my dad were absolutely priceless to me. There was a closeness that made me want to be like him, to choose his values as my values, and his dreams as my dreams, and his God as my God. That's the power of a man to set a kid on the right road. And I can think of no wiser investment of time in the entire realm of human experience. Today on Family Talk. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. I'm Ryan Dobson, and as you know, June is the month to celebrate dads, which is why we have searched for some of the best programs on fatherhood that we can find. Today's broadcast is no exception, and in a moment, we're going to get to that program. But before we jump into it, let me share with you about an exciting opportunity that's only available this month. As we celebrate fathers this month, we have handpicked two resource bundles to help you honor and encourage the dad in your life. For every donation we receive this month, we'll say thank you by sending you either my dad's book and DVD on Bringing Up Boys, or Dr. Meg Meeker's book, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. The choice is yours when you donate today. Stand with Family Talk by donating at the top of our page, drjamesdobson.org, or by calling us, 877-732-6825. So let's get to the program now. Here is former quarterback Jim Kelly and his wife Jill discussing how God restored their family on today's edition of Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. How did Hunter bring you back around? How did he change everything for you and bring you to Christ? Well, for me, it's a tough story, and um, I'll try to get through it. Um, this is one I, I don't usually say too often, but I probably should and have been lately because it is really one of the reasons how I ran further away but really eventually got me to where I'm at now was you know the day Hunter uh, passed away. It was um, Joe and I were with our two daughters at home, and uh, Grandma and Grandpa had Joe's mom and dad had Hunter at their house because he loved the water, he loved to swim, and they had a swimming pool. So we got a, a call about five o'clock in the morning, and it was Joe's mother saying that they had rushed Hunter to the hospital. And when she was on the phone, the last thing I heard was Children's Hospital. I heard uh, Joe say, "Don't take him to Warsaw Hospital, take him to Children's Hospital." So. Automatically, Jill gets ready. She leaves, and I had to wait for our neighbor to come to watch the t- our two daughters. Mm. 
So I jump into my truck and I head to Children's Hospital. So I get to Children's Hospital, which is about 25 minutes away, and I'm sitting in the emergency room wondering where our son was. And I went up to the receptionist. I said, where is Hunter Kelly at? And she says, I don't know what you're talking about. And she goes, let me check Mr. Kelly. So she checked and she come out real quickly and she said, he's at Warsaw Hospital. They did not bring him here. And I go, I don't even know where Warsaw Hospital is and don't know where I'm going. So I'm actually jumping my truck. And this is probably 6.30, 7 o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning, something like that. So I'm speeding through the back roads, through the country roads, and there was a car in front of me. But he was speeding pretty good too. And we're just driving. And I finally find out in the vicinity where the hospital was and I see a police officer go, past me the other way. And I looked in my rearview mirror and I see him turn around. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Why now? So all of a sudden I wind down my windows and uh, the police officer comes up and he sees me. It's me. And he said, oh, Jim, I'm glad it's you. He said, "Uh, follow me. We've been hunting for you. So um, he jumps in his police car and I follow him. We wind up pulling up to uh, the hospital. And as I pull up to the doors, a gentleman come out and said, "Uh, Jim, um, I'll park your car for you. And I go, no, 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 that's all right. I'll park. And he said, no, Jim, you need to go in now. I'll park your car. So, of course, I <clears throat> get out. And as I walk in through the two glass sliding doors, the doctors were at the doors waiting for me. And, and uh, they said, um, we're sorry, Mr. Kelly, your son passed away five minutes ago. And from that point on, when I got in there, I was able to sit with my son and talk to him by myself for a, a period of time and really Talk, talk to him a way that I never have talked to him before. Apologize to a point where that wasn't always around with him. Talk to him in a way that I wanted to, you know, be there with him. And then after I get done talking, when after Joe and I left the hospital, we're heading home. I really don't even remember if Joe and I even spoke a word on the way back. I just know I was very, very angry, very mad at God, mad at everybody. Um, just was very hurt. Um, and from that point is where Joe and I really started going different directions. She she seeked the good Lord. And for me, I went the opposite way until there was a day where I was confronted not only by my mother-in-law, but by myself knowing that my son is in heaven now. And where do I want to be? I knew how much I loved my son. I knew how much I miss him. I knew if I didn't change my lifestyle, if I didn't um, become... The husband that I was supposed to be didn't become the father I was supposed to be. I will never get that opportunity to see my son again. And I also knew that when I came home, I wanted to be able to look my two other daughters in the eye and have them look at their father with respect, knowing that this is a father that we, you know, we love mm-hmm. and we respect. I wanted that. Yeah. I wanted to love my wife again. And I knew if I did not change my ways that I would never have that opportunity again. So that was when Jesus intervened and— uh, that's when I gave myself up and said, you know what, I got to I gotta confess this to Jill. And me and my pastor went over, we sat down with Jill, and I told Jill everything. I told her that I was not a, a faithful husband, that I'm, I'm disgraced over it, I'm, I'm mad that I was that way. But the thing when I told her was, and I never thought that I would be saying these words, is when I told her after I, you know, spilled the beans and told her everything and told her that I was changing my life and giving my life up to God. I said, you know what? The f- I feel free. I never know what that word meant. Uh-huh. And it's funny because every single time that I say this story, chills go through my body. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that. It's, I don't know why, but it, it just, it's a feeling that I wish people out there that are non-believers would understand. Um, here is a football player that I know a lot of my friends saying, 
how could this happen to Jim Kelly? Uh, I'm still the same person on the outside. I mean, I still love to have fun. I still hunt. I still like crack jokes. I still do all the things. But I have God in my life now. Yeah. Was there that sense of cleanness? Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. It's you know what? There's so and I have a lot of friends who are non-believers, and if they would just understand, if if they would accept the good Lord in their hearts and in their lives, and know what it feels like. It, you, you cannot descri- yeah you can describe it, but you can't feel it. You cannot feel it unless it's inside you. And the feeling that I got that day, and the feeling that I have right now sitting here, um, is something I wish everybody could just have a piece of. You know, Jim, uh, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was three years old at an altar in a church with a lot of people around me, and I felt the same thing. At three years old wow. that you apparently did as a grown man. And it just felt, I don't know what I had done. You know, I don't know what sins I'd committed, but I was aware <laughs> that I needed Jesus in my heart. And uh, and I, I gave him my life and my heart at three years of age and wept like a baby. Because I was a baby. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah. And it was a highlight of my whole life. So uh, it is interesting that it can happen to the very young and to those who are older. Good, you can say the very old. <laughs> no, no, okay. Football player wise, yes, I paraphrase. But it, it's interesting how um, our pastor, Pastor Jerry Gillis from the chapel in Western New York, he said, "You know what? I'd love to hear Jim because he doesn't talk Christianese." <laughs> is that what, how he says it? Because, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jill was right Jim. there because I we're all work in progress. I love to be around my wife and listen to her sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, (laughs) because I learn things. Uh, I'm not there yet. We all have a long way to go. I know I have a lot further to go than Joe does, but I I enjoy it. I enjoy hearing it. And you're having an opportunity now to share that gospel message, aren't you? Exactly. And it makes me feel good, too. Is there anything that gives you greater thrill than that? Even getting to the Super Bowl? <laughs> uh, Super Bowl, no. There would be the feeling that I have now, and then second, right now, now it wouldn't be the Super Bowl. It would be uh, hunting. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, because I know Hunter, my son, is right beside me, and every tree stand that I climb up, Hunter is sitting right there beside me. Uh, uh, Jill, when uh, Jim was telling that story, you had tears running down your cheeks, didn't And I'm you? holding back. <laughs> I could be a flood of emotion right now, but... You know, it just it is the God who does immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. I mean, that is our story, and it's and it and it amazes me, and I can't even articulate it. I, I try to in our memoir without a word, but the overwhelming sense of gratitude that we have that God would use Hunter, this little boy, and his suffering to show us what true joy and life and hope is about. And this boy who was suffering all the time, that he was so radiant with the love of Christ and was able to speak volumes without uttering a single word, was able to change, God was able to use him to change hearts and lives and our family and rescue us in every way. It just, it is so profound to me. And, um, you know, that God is able, he is so able to use our weaknesses um, to show us his strength. Uh, Jill, it was in marriage counseling that you, Jim, admitted that you had been unfaithful right. uh, to Jill. 
Yes. Uh, how difficult was it for you to forgive him? Well, forgiveness is an interesting thing. I think that um, forgiveness is a, a daily thing. When Jim said, and he shared this, when he was sitting there, you know, laying it all out there before me, because we were actually in a good place, right? Because yeah. we've been counseling for a while. So we were in a very good place. But little did I know that we actually really were not in a very good place. And when Jim confessed and everything, and then when he said that he felt free, it was as if the Holy Spirit was just like, Jill, He, he this is real. Because I was skeptical. I mean, I had been down that road before. In fact, Dr. Dobson had counseled me before many, many, many years ago. So, you know, I knew, though, that he could not have expressed that he felt freedom unless Jesus had set him free. Those who are the sons are the ones who are set free. So I knew, and you know, in those moments I was like, of course I was crushed and I was hurt and I was like, oh no, you know, here we go again kind of thing. But I knew that he was in a right place with God. Jim didn't have the power of God in his life to help him before. And now I knew that he had Christ. understand intuitively that until this came out, your marriage would always have that unspoken something there that right. you couldn't get a hold of. Right. And, and and that's the beauty of being able to share where we are again through the memoir because this, you know, everything we've ever done has been framed by the media, but we weren't healed. Our mm. marriage had not been healed. And God had not only healed us and rescued our family, but he had also rescued our marriage. Jim, uh, you said something a few minutes ago uh, that um, uh, you said very quickly, uh, but I heard it, that, <laughs> your, that your mother-in-law really took you to task and confronted you. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, she did. And she knew that if I didn't seek the Lord, that I was on a slow path to not be married, period, and not you know being able to see the, my daughters and everything in a way that I would. And I think that's when I really started to realize that she's right and that I knew the ultimate was I wanted to see my son again. And I, I, I know my two daughters, how much I love them and how much I cared for my wife. And until I really got a good grasp of it and really understood and understood where I wanted to be, I wasn't going to be led down the path that I needed to go down. You, you say in the book that either your mother-in-law or father-in-law, I, I'm not sure which, uh, said to you, how would you feel if somebody treated your daughter the way you're treating my daughter? No, it was, it was my father-in-law. And what he said was, uh, what if, what if um, somebody would do this to you, your daughter's camera and how would you feel? And that in itself made me realize and I mean it, it there's a whole thing it goes the, the feelings that go through your body but it, if you are a father of daughters um, I think everybody understands that nobody would ever want something to happen to their kids yeah. or want them to feel um, hurt in any way whether it's physical or mental because um, you love your kids I mean sure. you love them with every ounce of energy you have in your body and when my father-in-law said that it really hit home yeah. Well, Jim, it takes a whole lot of courage to come on national radio yeah. or national television and yeah. admit what you've admitted. And I applaud you That's for right. doing it. And God has forgiven you, hasn't he? Yeah. Yes, he has. And uh, 
you know, the thing is, I, I, I understand that, you know, none of us are perfect, but I knew where I wanted to be. Yeah. And I know what now what it feels like to be there. And hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I bet that's going to open a lot of doors for men who want to be where you're at now, who are stuck in a downward spiral and hearing a hero uh, be able to be honest about his shortcomings and the freedom that you found in yep. Christ uh, can set them on the right path. It is cool. It is. <laughs> no, but no, I'm serious because I know how I felt when I was a non-believer. I know how I felt when I used to hear people talk about it. It turned me off to begin with. It yeah. really did. But I just want those people out there to really to seek after God. Go. I mean, we have. I guess for us, it's a blessing because we have a great pastor. We have a great pastor in Jerry Gillis who makes you understand, makes you feel good about going to church each and every week. You leave with something in your heart that when you walk out, you your heart just and you just you glow. You really do. You glow after and and that's something I never had before. Sure. And just just those people out there that are the non-believers, I mean, try it. It feels good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not speaking at Christianese, sorry. Well, Christ in your heart has only made you more of who you are. Your manhood didn't diminish. You're a hunter. You're a man's man. You're masculine. You're what people want to be. And Christ has only increased that in you because you're being a a man of God. Very well put. And I have no doubt that Jesus in the flesh was a man's man, Mm -hmm. was a masculine man. He went to the cross Mm -hmm. and allowed himself to to go through that agony. Wow. I mean, that took a man to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he understands uh, your nature. He made you. That's right. Amen. Yeah. You don't have to give up being who you are. And I don't. I just know that uh, how my heart feels now. I know where my heart is. Jim and Jill, this book uh, really reveals who you all are. Some of the ugly moments, some of the sublime moments. Uh, but now it's out there. And a lot of people are going to know about your private life. Uh, how have you dealt with your daughters uh, about this? Yeah. Well, me, for for instance, I knew after I spoke with Jill that um, about you know everything. And then, of course, uh, after the book was going to be released, I knew I had to sit down with my daughter, um, especially my oldest daughter, Erin, who was 15 years old. I knew I had to sit down t- with her and tell her about the book, tell her about Daddy, um, tell her that there's things in this book that I'm not proud of, but there's things in this book that um, I wanted to let her know about before she reads it because I love my daughters more than anything in the world. These My two girls mean so much to me, and I thought by coming from Daddy's mouth meant more to her than reading something that's in a book. I sat down with her. I explained it to her. She stood up. She gave me a big hug. She said, Daddy, I understand, and I forgive you, and I love you more today than I loved you yesterday. Oh, and when you hear that from your, your daughter, um, I br- it brought tears to my eyes because our daughter is very bright. She she does get it. She understands. She's a woman of faith. How old is she? Fifteen. Fifteen. And that was like the old saying, take a piano off your back. That was one thing that I knew I had to say to my daughter, but more importantly, that I wanted to say to her. And the way she reacted, I am so proud of her, and um, I love her so much. Jill, did you hear that conversation? 
I was not there, and I did not know that he was going to have that conversation. How'd you react when you heard it? I was speechless. I was in awe that that Jim would choose to sit down with Erin and share that with her, knowing, of course, yes, that she was going to read the book. So he did want to share that with her. Yeah. But, you know, that's huge for us yeah. as parents to humble ourselves and admit that we're not perfect. Mommy and Daddy have made mistakes and to ask for her forgiveness. Yeah. I I am still, and, and I'm so thankful that Jim will share that because it's not in the book. It has happened as a result of writing that book, which is huge for our family, for Aaron to know that daddy loves her and that he's sorry for how everything happened with mommy and daddy, but that we're not perfect and that he loves her enough to tell her he's sorry. And Jesus has forgiven. Amen. Amen. Well, you've told a lot of people today, and I thank you for it. And the name of the book is Without a Word. I want everybody to remember this. This is a book that will bring people to Christ. That's what you have in mind, isn't it, Jill? Yes, and that was part of my heart's cry is that I really, I was hoping absolutely to encourage believers through our story. But more than that, I wanted the non-believer, maybe the football fan, maybe the, the parent having a special needs child to pick up the book and know that God is real, that he rescues the broken, and that he makes our ashes beautiful. Because I think that that is the story that is in that book. Well, the rest of the titles, Without a Word, How a Boy's Unspoken Love Changed Everything by Jill Kelly. I can tell you, you've not only blessed a lot of people who are listening to us today, but you've blessed us in the studio and those that are in the control room. I thank you for that. And God be with you as you fly home and uh, stay in touch with us, will you? I appreciate it. I I want want this book to sell a million copies. Let's let's say it here and now. This is my goal for this book. Thank you guys for being with us. Thank you. Well, what a great program to celebrate fathers here on Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. I'm Ryan Dobson. And before we go, let me remind you of the two resources we have handpicked to help you honor and encourage the dad in your life. For every donation we receive this month, we'll say thank you by sending you either my dad's book Bringing Up Boys, along with the DVD from our brand new Building a Family Legacy film series. Or, if you choose, we'll send you Dr. Meg Meeker's New York Times bestselling book, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. Again, the choice is yours when you donate today. Stand with Family Talk by donating at the top of our page, drjamesdobson.org, or by calling us, 877-732-6825. And coming up next time... We'll discuss Dr. Meg Meeker's New York Times best-selling book, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. This is Ryan Dobson saying God bless. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time for another edition of Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. Family Talk is not associated with Focus on the Family. doesn't want to be encouraged to make their marriage stronger. 
Our new Family Talk iPhone app is designed especially to uplift your marriage in a way that makes it easy for both husbands and wives to find great resources. Loaded with articles, broadcasts, and videos, the new Family Talk app will provide you practical tips on making your marriage all it can be. The customized Family Talk app tailors content around where you are in life. Whether you're a husband, wife, dad, or mom, the Family Talk app will provide you with daily inspiration to strengthen your marriage and invest into the lives of your children. The app also allows you to set personal reminders around life's greatest priorities, your faith and family. Go to drjamesdobson.org forward slash app. Again, that's drjamesdobson.org forward slash app to download your free customized Family Talk app today. Love, even genuine love, is a fragile thing. Like a plant, it must be watered and cultivated or it will wither and die. Dr. James Dobson for Family Talk. You know, some newly married couples have the misguided notion that their love will continue to grow naturally through the years. But the truth is, love must be maintained and protected if it's going to survive. Love can perish when a husband works seven days a week or when spouses don't make the effort to communicate regularly. The keen edge of a loving relationship may be dulled through the routine pressures of living, as I experienced during the early days of my own marriage. I was working full-time and trying to finish my doctorate at USC. My wife was teaching school and running our small home. I remember clearly the evening I realized what this busy life was doing to our relationship. We still loved each other, but it had been too long since we'd felt a spirit of warmth and closeness. My textbooks were pushed aside that night, and we went for a long walk. The following semester, I took fewer classes and postponed my academic goals to help preserve what I valued more highly. Where does your marriage rank on your hierarchy of values? Does it get the leftovers and scraps from your busy schedule, or is it something of great worth to be supported and replenished? Let there be no misunderstanding. If left unattended, your relationship could die a slow death, and no career goal is worth that price. 